Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos, 630 Chad. Well, the Washington Capitals have come to life. They lead the Toronto Maple Leafs 4-1 after the first period. Tom Wilson has scored twice. Alexander Ovechkin has his third of the playoffs. TJ Oshie also scoring. Zach Hyman, the only goal for Toronto. So Washington trying to even that series at two. A little bit of a similar stuff going on in Toronto as we what we saw the San Jose Sharks do to the Edmonton Oilers last night. The Senators and Bruins are in the first period. No score there. Ottawa is up 2-1 in the best of seven. The Wild and the Blues play later on. St. Louis will be trying to sweep that best of seven. And the Ducks will be trying to finish off the Flames in game four. That game starts at 8 o'clock. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. My name is Reed Wilkins. It's Inside Sports on 630. Ched, you can reach us 780-496-0063 you can also text 63630. We have the Oilers and Sharks coming up tomorrow night. Coverage will start with the face-off show at 6. The game begins at 8.30. Another late one at Rogers Place. Game 5. So at the conclusion of that one, somebody will be one win away from the second round. Don't forget you can go to 630Ched.com and uh, take part in the auction that's going on for one loge table for four at Rogers Place for Game 5. Proceeds from the auction will benefit the Edmonton Oilers Community Foundation. You can bid until noon tomorrow. And don't forget about the Orange Crush Community Rally tomorrow at noon at Churchill Square. Uh, you're going to have members of the Oilers alumni there. Mayor Don Iveson will be there, and that's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, we'll talk about a lot of the fun stuff going on with fans with Robert Clark, who is the Oilers' anthem singer. He's going to join us in uh, in about half an hour, so that'll be fun to talk to him. All right, so the Oilers were uh, just beaten in every way a team can be beaten last night. A slapper from center, save Jones, and that'll be all. San Jose 7, Edmonton nothing. It's 2-2. Uh, to me, that really, that's the only score that matters. Uh, you know, we, we didn't obviously play the way you want to. You lose 7-0. Nothing, nothing really went our way. Uh, at the same time, you got to realize we've probably strengthened uh, an already strong belief system over there. Uh, there's some guys now that got some confidence, now they can put the puck away. Uh, our task is going to be a little bit more difficult. But that being said, we played all year to get home ice advantage. It's the best of three with two games at home. Uh, so that's something our team should feel real good about. I think we'll be fine. We talked about it in the dressing room also here. 
uh, the dinner and stuff like that. But you know, those are the ones that you learn from them, forget them, and you move on because it's a new new day and new game tomorrow. And uh, we just gotta get ready for that. We gotta find the net. I think uh, you know the chances are there. Um, obviously, last night was a little bit of a, a weird game, just the way it went. But um, you know, I expect you know for for us to get going for sure. I think uh, we've had the chances, uh, especially you know two and ones, things like that. But uh, the biggest thing, and, and their guys got going, is, is the power play. Like I said, we we gotta find a way to to start putting the puck in the net there. Some comments from Mark Letestu, Andre Sekera, and Jordan Eberle as uh, the Oilers will try to park that one as they've talked about after, well, after good and bad games throughout the season where you say you got to park the previous result and move on to the next game. I, I have, I, I, I mean, the Oilers can't play much worse than they did last night. So I have no doubt they're going to come out fired up, wanting to you know throw a counterpunch, and this has been kind of a series of punch and counterpunch. I, I don't have any concerns there. I, I just think the one thing that would concern me a little bit is that you're playing the same team. And you know, like Mark Letestu said, the Sharks have now probably had their belief system strengthened because they kept doing the things they wanted to do and everything worked last night. And the, the one thing for the Oilers, they have bounced back from bad games. But, you know, you have a, you have a game where you lose 4-1 to the Montreal Canadiens like the Oilers did in March. You got the Dallas Stars next on the schedule. And they went out and pounded Dallas in that next game and then scored seven again against Boston the game after that. You know, during the regular season, the quality of the opponent will fluctuate. And you have a bad game against a good team, you get pounded. You probably got a softer matchup coming up. So I think that's the concern for me here is that you're not getting Vancouver or Colorado or Dallas next. You're getting the exact same team that just had a lot of positive reinforcement. But I do think the Oilers have been good at parking games throughout the season, and I do think they're going to come out looking much more solid tomorrow night. Speaking of bouncing back from bad games, we got a guest coming up who once lost a game 8-1 in the playoffs. In fact, in the Stanley Cup Final. You'll get that story when we get back. Inside Sports on Oilers Radio, 630 Chet. Hey, this is Connor McDavid. Back for score! There it is! That's 100 points! Jordan Everly here. Nugent Hopkins back door! And a hat trick for Jordan Everly! And this is your exclusive home for the Stanley Cup Playoffs. Oilers Radio, 630 Chet. This is Matt Hendricks from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chet. So the Oilers will have Leon Dreisaitl for tomorrow's game. He is fined, not suspended for that spear on Chris Tierney last night. Leon fined just under $2,600. Yessi Puglia-Yarvi has been loaned by the Oilers to the Finnish national team for the upcoming World Hockey Championship. The Oilers have called up more players from the Bakersfield Condors. Anton Lander, Mark Fain, Jordan Osterley, Joey Lalesia have people already asking on the text line. Personally, I do not expect Anton Lander to play tomorrow. I absolutely do not expect that. I would be extremely surprised if he's in the lineup tomorrow, but we'll get a better indication at tomorrow's morning skate. Uh, The Oilers lost... A lopsided game. It has happened before. It's happened in Stanley Cup Finals to this man, now a broadcaster with the NHL Network, former Florida Panther Bill Lindsay. Bill, welcome to Inside Sports. How are you doing? Excellent. How's everything there in Edmonton? 
Well, we're plugging away. Got a big game five coming up tomorrow night, so it's uh, going to be pretty pretty fun at uh, at Rogers Place. But you know all about playing in in crazy buildings with interesting. Um, I don't know if the rat thing was a tradition because I don't think they let it go on for more than a year. <laughs> but but with interesting quirks, shall we say? <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. We had the year of the rat back in '96. But it's the best time of year, and it's fun to see the Canadian teams involved in the postseason this year after none last year, and that's made quite a mark. And Edmonton, one of those teams that's very, very impressive. What I mean, you're following uh, Panthers games and you're following games for the NHL Network. As, as you followed the Oilers throughout the season, I mean, obviously they have McDavid. Talbot had a great year. There were some big changes on defense. Second year with Todd McClellan, all kind of some good ingredients. When did when and what did you kind of start to see from the Oilers where you thought, okay, it's starting to click for this team, like they're not going to go away? After probably 15, 20 games, I thought that this team was going to be for real. Connor McDavid exploded out of the gates early, and all of a sudden that you have you have that world beater that's going to make the big difference and be a true superstar in the game, and he realized his potential. You can see that it was there a bit last year, but at the start of this year, with his blazing speed, he was able to control hockey games, and when you saw that, you knew that this Edmonton team was going to be able to make a significant stride. You bring in Lucic, he's a big body that's a difference maker. Patrick Maroon, another big guy that contributed heavily during the regular season. And then you have your speed guys like Everly, Nugent Hopkins. It's a really good mix there that you have in Edmonton. You've got a really fast team, and you got some guys that will bang and throw the body. And you said at Cam Talbot, the goaltender was extraordinary all year. You've been watching the series. You see the Oilers throw up two straight, hard-hitting, tight-checking shutouts. And then you see the game last night where it goes <laughs> seven nothing. I mean, as an ex-player, uh, you know what's going your, through your mind when you watch a game like that, and what impact could it have on the rest of the series? I don't. I think it has very minimal impact. It's just one of those games that got away from you, and it just went downhill downhill quickly. And it's a loss. That's all it is. You can uh, just put that away. Focus on the next game. I don't even think you would watch any tape or anything. You would just get ready and trying to move on to the next game and get back uh, to playing the hockey that you know that you can play. The good thing is you're going to be going back home. You're going to be on home ice. You'll have that energy of the crowd. So just kind of burn the tape and just kind of live in the moment and refocus and get ready for the next game. I don't think it has any bearing if you lose 2-1 or 7 nothing in this series. I don't think it matters at all. Well, it's interesting too because you know we referenced the the '96 Panthers team that were you on which, that you were on, which was kind of a Cinderella team to go to the Cup final. And uh, I mean, I'm looking back at some of the scores. You you lost Game Five. It wasn't necessarily a huge blow, but you lost Game Five of the Conference Final to Pittsburgh, three nothing. That must have been a frustrating shutout. But you came back and won the next two games, including Game Seven on the road. Now in the Stanley Cup Final, I know you wound up losing four straight. But you lost the game two eight one to Colorado, and then the next two games were one goal games. So obviously, you know what? What do you remember about that eight one game, and then recovering to be so competitive in the next two? I remember that eight one game, and that just it, it just one of those games where it just wasn't going right, and 
it just got out of hand. And it wasn't. It was like that. You got the power play goals coming against you. You seemed to be in the penalty box all night, and every time that you went in the penalty box, a goal was scored. Kind of like what happened to Edmonton. Uh, the four power play goals for the San Jose Sharks, and we just knew that we had to get back to five on five hockey, play even strength, and if we could do that, then we were going to be competitive. And I think that's the same thing with this Edmonton team. Well, they stay out of penalty trouble and they keep it five on five and keep grinding away at it. It's going to be a close, tight series. So they just, as I said, put that one behind you and move on and just believe in yourself. A lot of these players are going through this uh, for the first time in Edmonton, this playoff, and realize what it takes. And so the best thing you can do as a young player is just try and focus and stay in the now and forget about the past. So worry about today's practice then worry about the first period of the next game and then just move on from that. And the more that you can stay in the now, in the present as a player, and just focus on your task at hand, the better chance of success you'll have. Bill, did you always have that as a player? I mean, once you got into you know higher-level competitive hockey in your teens and then making the NHL, did you always have that ability to park the bad games, or did you have to learn that as, as, you, as you got older and got more established as a pro? I had to learn it. It was something that I got caught up in. When you're coming out of junior hockey, I was I was a scoreman. Almost everyone is. And then when I got to the NHL, I had to learn to bang and to fight and to grind it out, be a good winger on the wall, and learn the defensive side of the puck. And so when I hadn't scored for maybe 10 or 15 games early on, it really bothered me, and it would affect the rest of my game. But as I got older... I started to learn I could not score in a hockey game and still impact that hockey game, whether being good defensively, uh, having a couple fights, energize the team. I just knew that I could impact the team, and there's so much more that goes into hockey besides actually scoring. So I got better at it as I got older, learning, hey, let's just move on and just focus on what can I do to impact a hockey game. Even if I'm not playing my best, what can I do out out there on that ice uh, to make a difference? It doesn't always have to be goal scoring, but you just have to find ways to contribute to your hockey team. Bill Lindsay joining us tonight on 6.30. Chet played 777 games in the NHL, uh, the majority of them with the Florida Panthers. All right, we, we got to get to this. We, we touched on it at the beginning. The 96 Panthers team, incredible run. Uh, you played 22 postseason games. That was the year of the rat for people who might be too young to remember. Uh, the tradition started with uh, Panthers fans throwing plastic rats on the ice uh, when you guys would get your first goal in a home game. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Like, there's the story with the Scott Mellenby story that he killed the rat in the dressing room. What do you remember just about that taking off? And, and how surreal was that to see all those rats raining down on the ice? <laughs> it was crazy. Yeah, Scott Mellenby, the rat came in, and it was in Miami Arena. We had a small dressing room and had a tunnel down into our dressing room because we only played there. We never practiced there. But it was a rat, and it was huge. Whatever they were feeding at Miami Arena, it was big. And we were jumping out of the way. Scott Mellenby had did a couple laps around the dressing room, and finally Scott Mellenby decided that was enough, lambasted the rat clear across the dressing room. He died and paled against the wall. Uh, didn't have time to retape his stick, still had some blood on his stick. Scored a couple of goals, and then after the game, John Van Beesbrook said he got a rat trick. And that's where the rat trick took off and the rat story took off. We got a little memorial 
memorial, memorialized the rat, bought a little toy rat, and put a circle around where he died and put the date and everything. And then it took off with the fans from there, and it was the year of the rat in the Chinese uh, years or whatever, how they do it. So it kind of coincided with that. And then all of a sudden after we scored, rats started raining down on the ice. And it was uh, it was just a fun thing to be part of, and it was unique at that time. And something that I think we had a real special bond on that team, uh, but it was part of our story, and we were glad that it was part of our story, and it took off, and we rode it all the way to the Stanley Cup Finals, and that was the closest that I ever came to winning a Stanley Cup, so that's the year that I remember the most of all of all the years that I ever did play hockey. Well, I'm just glad it was plastic rats and not, you know, like the, dead, oct- the dead octopus, like... <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> to a Detroit. Uh, Bill, just before I let, uh, let you go, it's been an interesting first round. Um, biggest surprise to you so far, whether it's uh, Chicago falling behind or the Minnesota-St. Louis series, maybe the Leafs. Uh, what's what's your number one surprise so far here? Well, Chicago-Nashville, I didn't think Nashville would have a 3 to nothing lead. And a couple of games there in Chicago, they dominated it in the first two games, uh, go to overtime at home and win. So that's a real big story if Chicago looked like they were primed for another Stanley Cup run. Now they're up against the ropes. So that, to me, is definitely a surprise. And then you go to Toronto and see what's happened there. The Washington Capitals getting pushed again. And if the Capitals can't do it this year with that team and Ovechkin, that they've never been past the second round in the Ovechkin era, I think they're feeling pressure there in Washington right now with that team. So that young Maple Leaf team is really standing out, and the job that Mike Babcock's been able to do. But that, if they win that series, that would be the biggest surprise of all. You get it done with a bunch of rookies and beat maybe the most talented team in the NHL. So that is definitely something that I'm keeping an eye on as we move forward. But those those two series are the ones that have have gone the other way than than I thought they would so far. Bill, really appreciate your insight. Thanks for the stories about 1996 as well. Enjoy the postseason. I hope we can do this again. Yeah, good luck there in Edmonton. I will tell you this, uh, that is one team during the regular season when I had time to turn on my TV. That is one team that I just absolutely love to watch with their speed and tenacity and everything. Uh, The Edmonton Oilers are truly exciting. They remind you a little bit of the glory days. They truly do. So I wish you the best. Uh, to me, it's one of the funnest teams in the NHL, and uh, with Connor McDavid leading the way, it's, it must be fun there in Edmonton in that new building. Well, it's been fun so far, Bill. Hopefully it's fun again tomorrow night. That's Bill Lindsay, former NHLer. A great story about bouncing back from an 8-1 loss in the Stanley Cup final. Coming up, Oilers anthem singer Robert Clark in studio. Inside Sports on Chet. Hey, this is Jordan Everly from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Ched. All right, so Oilers and Sharks tomorrow. Our coverage starts at 6 at, on 630 Ched. The game will be at 830. NHL tonight, we have the Capitals leading the Leafs 4-2 late in the second period. No score after the first between the Senators and the Bruins. Still to come tonight, the Wild and the Blues and the Ducks take on the Flames. The Toronto Blue Jays have a lead 3-0 over Boston. That's in the fifth inning. You can text 630-630. I actually have a couple of texts here about the uh, lopsided penalty 
totals in the series. Uh, San Jose 5 for 22 on the power play. The Oilers 1 for 12. So through four games, the Sharks have had an extra 10 man advantages. Um, is that normal? No. Uh, Long term, I think it'll even out. Though in a seven game series, it might not. I think the officials are probably aware of that, who's ever working the game tomorrow night. The Oilers have committed more penalties in this series. You you can maybe argue about individual ones. I think the Oilers have committed more penalties in this series. Todd McClellan referenced it last night, that it's a message that he's continually been giving his team and one that he hopes that they will receive in time for Game 5 tomorrow night. Hey, uh, you know what's going to be cool tomorrow night? So that's the sound of 18,000 Oilers fans singing Oh Canada. Somewhere in there was the guy who started the song off by himself, Edmonton Oilers anthem singer Robert Clark, who joins me in studio. Robert, thanks for dropping by. Thanks for having me. Uh, well, what do you think when you hear that? Uh, but it makes me just as excited as when I was there. I, yeah, I can't describe the, the feeling. Like, it just... I, I get goosebumps. I had goosebumps when we were listening to that. And, you know, just to think that... I was the person that started that off, and they took over. It was awesome. A lot of people were asking me leading into Game 1, what's happening with the anthem? Are they going to play Paul Lorio on the screen? If not, will they will they turn it over to the fans? And I, I honestly didn't know. I, I had the sense there would probably be, be something unique rather than just you coming out. Not that there's anything wrong with your normal anthem, but just <laughs> you know you standing on the red line and doing it. And obviously, Brett Kissel did a great job with the U.S. anthem. Yep. Uh, so where did this, at least from your point of view, where did you first hear, like, oh, maybe we're going to put Robert in the stands? Um, I actually, I didn't find out until uh, the Sunday before the first game. Um, so they brought me in, um, told me they were doing a spot check and I had no idea what that necessarily meant. Uh, we got in there and they said, all right, so here's what's happening. We're going to try you out in different spots in, uh, in Roger's place. And, uh, they had a few of the staff there pretending to sing along with me just to sort of give the feeling of, of what it would be like. And, uh, yeah. And then they said, Brett Kessel is going to be coming out singing the, uh, American anthem. And then I, I take over from him and, and do the Canadian anthem. Well, it was an incredible moment. I didn't know for sure you were going to be in in the in the crowd like that. I'm, cu- I'm just curious about the logistics of, of this because so you were in the Oilers Orange Crush shirt, one of the the or- orange T-shirts. Were, were you able to just sneak in with people, or were there people in your row thinking like, okay, something's up, or how did that all? How did you pull it off? Um, actually, we so we went up. Um, I mean, I didn't know where where I was doing it from until I arrived there on game one. Um, we went up to uh, the seventh floor there, um, and then just before uh, the whole intro and everything started, um, they had. Uh, Don from Oilers Entertainment Group go down there and let them know what was going on. They said he's going to come. He's going to sit here. We uh, they displaced a few people. They made sure everybody was wearing orange by giving them T-shirts if they had you know just a you know right. normal day clothes on. And then uh, I came in and sat down and 
watch just like any other fan until things changed. <laughs> <laughs> that was incredible. So there was a little bit of excitement in the in the that small area before you, before you went there. I mean, you're an experienced singer, obviously, and we want to get into your musical and, and singing history to, to, so people can get to know you a little bit. Mm-hmm. Having said that, to me, people get nervous when they do things outside of their comfort zone. For you, again, you walking out on the red line, on the carpet, and singing the anthem, that's now part of your routine. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, it's a playoff game. All of a sudden, they want you in the crowd with people, like, shoulder to shoulder with you. Was, <laughs> did that up your nerve level or how did you deal with it uh, it's a good question i i i tend not to get nervous before i perform um you know like with, with opera i i could put on tights and a costume and makeup and i feel just fine i'm not nervous i'm not nervous before i sing at hockey games but i was i was nervous legitimately nervous uh for the first game just because i didn't know what the reaction was going to be like i kind of had an idea i thought you know i knew people were going to respond well to it right. but yeah i was nervous we'd never done anything like this before so it was yeah it was it was cool though uh, well, what where how far into o canada did you know okay this is really working uh literally as soon as i started singing i could <laughs> right? hear everybody around me i mean you know i i sort of talked with the people around me. i said you got to make sure you sing really loud but i don't think i even needed to say that like they were they were on board before they you know before i even started singing um all right so robert clark oilers anthem singer joining us in studio so you're you're you were in different spots in the crowd for both games one and two yep should, are you allowed to tell me same thing for game five tomorrow same routine uh same routine i don't know where you'll I'm be sitting. somewhere else but you'll be in the crowd yeah was there any because paul lorio did that in 06 it was incredible his was a little more spur of the moment was was there anything for you like oh man i i'm doing the same thing paul did that's cool or was there any oh man i hope it doesn't come across as copying or disrespectful anything like that um no, when when I first heard the idea, um, you know, and and it was planned for me to to hold up the mic, uh, when you know when we were going through on that Sunday, um, but never never once did I think, oh, you know, that this is going to look tacky or this is going to look awkward because uh, as we were rehearsing, I just thought this is going to be insane. Like people are going to go crazy, and and not because of anything that I do necessarily, but just because of the idea and the concept. So yeah, it's. Uh, and and then just just to hold up the mic i just for me it was an honor i almost cried like it was it was just uh, i think it was you know the perfect tribute to paul lorio yeah well it's it's been incredible i mean obviously it's gotten play all across the uh, certainly any any market that cares about hockey has showed that as as part of the highlights for the Oilers uh, for the Oilers home games. Uh Robert, let me this is your fourth season singing at Oilers games? Correct, yeah. Um so you do almost every home game, occasionally there might be a special guest, yep. right? Correct. Um how did you get the job? Uh, uh good question. Um I uh because I I've done work with Edmonton Opera, which is the local obviously opera company here in Edmonton. Um they were contacted by the Oilers um, and uh, they had asked if they knew of anybody that had, you know, they wanted a male singer that had a big voice, um, whether they were trying to look for somebody to not replace Paul Lorio, but to sort of have that same feel. Um, I'm, I'm not 100% sure, but but then, they, yeah, they so they contacted Edmonton Opera. Edmonton said, we've got this guy that's worked for us, you know, several times. And then 
they contacted or Oilers contacted me and said, can you send us an audition with, you know, just me singing the both anthems? I did. And then the rest is kind of history. I came in for a sound check and here I am today. <laughs> so, I mean, but we should clarify to people, you are a professional opera singer. You're not You're not a, a teacher who just happens to sing the anthem at night. No. So, I've, which, I've, yeah. so did you ever have any, and, and from, from us talking, I mean, your opera career has been pretty good. I mean, I would call you successful. I know mm-hmm. you're probably modest, but you've made a living doing it for yep. a long time. So that's, you know, you're not really old, but, you know, <laughs> since you've wanted to try to do it, did you ever have any inkling that, hockey anthem singer would be on your resume? Oh, boy. No. <laughs> I mean, Not I'm assu- at all. I'm assuming, you know, opera people don't sit around backstage and say, well, one day I want to sing the anthem. No, well, n- not really, but there have you know there have been times where some of my colleagues you know they've been invited to sing at at hockey games or baseball games, um, but never as sort of you know the official anthem singer. Like I never, never in a million years would have imagined that, but still consider myself the luckiest person alive. <laughs> uh, were you a pretty big hockey fan before you started doing the gig? I was. I didn't grow up in a family that watched really any sports it was never a big um a big thing in my family that being said we watched the oilers when they were in the playoffs in the 80s and the 90s um but otherwise it, it wasn't a you know it just wasn't part of my daily life um and but i i did watch the games in 2006 i watched when you know i remember lorio holding up the mic thinking that was you know a really cool thing right. everybody felt that but yeah I, I i considered myself a fair weather hockey watcher up until four years ago <laughs> uh, no it's uh, no it's part of your uh, 82 nights a year and absolutely. more this year which yeah. is pretty cool can you stick around to the top of the hour absolutely yeah we're in studio with oilers anthem singer robert clark uh, i got we got some questions for him on the text line to 6 30 we'll get to those inside sports on chad Hi, this is Ryan Eugene Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 6.30, Chad. It's 6.50. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Oilers and Sharks tomorrow. Our coverage will start at 6, Game 5 at Rogers Place. Some text to 6.30, Mark says, I don't get how people aren't freaking out about that loss last night. The Sharks figured out the Oilers' defense and goaltending and opened the floodgates. On the other side, the Oilers have barely done anything offensively. That's from Mark. Well, Mark, I, I'm sure some people are freaking out about it. You, uh, I guess, I guess you, you're telling me you're freaking out about it, Mark. Uh, let me ask you this. How does freaking out about it help the situation? And if you were in San Jose 48 hours ago, would have you been freaking out that they had not scored in two consecutive games? Back and forth we go. If the Sharks come out and win the next two games 5-1 and then it's Oilers season over, then I guess, Mark, you can text me back and say, see, Reed, you should have freaked out. You should have been proclaiming doomsday. I prefer to think that there's probably going to be a couple close games in games 5 and 6 and that the Oilers can't play much worse. Uh, we're in studio with Oilers anthem singer Robert Clark. Thanks again for coming in. Oh, my pleasure. Tom says, uh, does Robert have to keep up with the fans when he sings, or do they keep up with him? <laughs> that is a good, that's a great question. Um, I don't know. I, I kind of let them take over. They seem to, to take a nice pace. Um, and uh, I just, I you know, when I, when I turn it over to them, I'm just one of the fans, and I sing along with them. 
So you're an opera singer. Mm-hmm. Well, how did that come about? I mean, and I, that that is such. I've never interviewed an opera singer before, let alone <laughs> on a sports show. But how does that? Like, I'm just curious. How does that become your become your profession? That's amazing. Uh, well, I, I've always been uh, fascinated with classical music ever since I was a kid. Um, my dad would play uh, all sorts of different versions of classical music. One of them was hooked on classic, which was classical music with an 80s beat attached to it, <laughs> which I don't know if, you've, if you ever get a chance to listen to it. You don't have to. But uh, yeah, I've always been fascinated with it. And so when I started my undergraduate degree, I actually was going to be a high school teacher um, at first. But in my first year of my undergraduate, I took um, voice lessons for the first time. Um, and that was sort of where I discovered, oh, there's more to this than I realized. Uh, opera came later because when I first started listening to opera in my first year, I did not like it. <laughs> it's always in a different language. You have no idea what's going yeah, on. Isn't it always what Italian or German? Or Italian, a bunch German, of French, oh, wow. uh, some English, but uh, yeah, generally it uh, it confused me. Um, <laughs> But it was only until I realized, oh, I can combine classical music with theater, which I love. I love acting. I love that aspect of it, too, that uh, opera really sort of took hold. And that's kind of where I went from there. Okay. So how long have you been doing that now? Uh, well, performing professionally since 2008. Uh, yeah, I did, I did my undergrad here at the U of University of Alberta, and then I did a master's degree out in uh, Ontario, at the University of Western Ontario. So fin- I graduated in 2008 and started performing after I graduated. All right. So if... If, if, if do you call jobs in opera gigs? I do actually. Yeah, I, I say I've got a gig coming up uh, next month with you know Edmonton Opera, Calgary Opera, whoever. Yeah. Okay, so you got to travel around a bit, though. I do. Yeah, I've 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 traveled a fair amount. I haven't really done much outside of Canada, but uh, yeah, I've you know I've been sort of coast to coast with with singing opera. That's amazing. All right, is it is it a pretty small community? Like, do you wind up working with the same? People it is. over and over again. And yes, you do end up working with, with a fair amount of the same people. Um, but, you know, there's always new new faces, new voices that come out. And so, it, and, and it's, it's, a, it's a great community. I love, I love the people that I work with. Um, you know, they're also, they're, they're all usually quite cultured. A lot of them are sports fans too, uh, believe it or not. And, uh, you know, I've been able to sort of talk sports with a few of them, which is kind of cool too. So since you've started singing, and again, we mentioned it's your fourth year. Mm-hmm. Do you watch anthems differently now when you watch another hockey game, the Super Bowl, when they'll have a, usually a big celebrity do it or the Grey Cup or anything like that? Um, d- differently, maybe. But, you know, at the same time, I just, you know, they want to do it their way. They sing it their way. Um, sometimes I might be a little critical of <laughs> some of the people. But, you know, it's, 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 you know, it is what it is. I just, the way I approach the anthems is, is that they should be sung, they should be sung properly, um, and that they should be sung um, giving them the honor that they deserve, but that they should also finish so that the actual game can start, because that's why people are really there. <laughs> has it, is it, because, I mean, anthems are, are a really big deal. I mean, Chicago is known, uh, you know, and they used to have Wayne Mesmer doing the anthems mm-hmm. for getting the crowd pumped up and you mentioned you know sometimes you're critical of the anthem whenever there's like a Super Bowl anthem somebody's always like well she was good he was good, whatever right has it has it kind of amazed you the the connection that the anthem singer can form with the crowd um, it really has and and I mean over time I admit the the first anthem I ever sang um, with with the Oilers um, not realizing that near the end of the anthem 
the crowd just gets loud regardless. But being obviously the selfish person that I was, I thought that they were cheering for me. But no, they were just cheering because the anthem was ending and the hockey game was start. It had nothing to do you're with You're like, just I me. did great again. <laughs> I came night. off and I was like, wow, you guys, they really liked it. They're like, well, yeah, but that's kind of what they do too. So. Yeah, they just they, they want to they drop the puck. Uh, all right, well, I look forward to seeing you. Obviously, I won't see you like across a desk like we are tonight, <laughs> but I will see you from afar For somewhere sure. in the crowd uh, tomorrow. Some lucky people will get to stand next to you as you belt out the anthem for Game 5. Robert, thanks so much for coming in. Thanks for telling your story. How do people follow you on Twitter? Uh, my Twitter handle is at Rob Clark Tenor. So Rob Clark with no E, traditional spelling, tenor, mm-hmm. T-E-N-O-R. I feel like on a sports show I should spell that because I had to double-check it myself. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And oh, and we put some of this up on our Facebook page, on the 630 Chet Facebook page. Right. Okay, cool. Yeah. People want people already know what you look like. I don't think they want to see me in a video, but you can, you can listen to it <laughs> again anyway true. if you want to. Uh, we're coming up, up to the 7 o'clock news. Uh, some text here to 630-630. Kevin Carius is coming up. It's Inside Sports on Oilers Radio, 630 Chet. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.